0: in lockdown. Uh, I hope that the update on social distancing has brought some sense of relief to you. Um, I know for me personally, it definitely has. Uh, yesterday, I was walking through Flagstaff Gardens and the gardens were just filled with, or the park was filled with activity. Um, I, I saw a couple people doing boxing drills. I'm not really sure if they're allowed to do that just yet. Um, there's also a group of like 20 dog walkers and I'm pretty sure they had they, they seem to have known each other. Also, I'm not sure if it's if that's legal as well. But um, yeah, it was just it, it was it was a relief just seeing um, people out and about. Um, one kind of encouraging note was there was a patrol car that was driving through Flagstaff Gardens, and the, the police officer didn't seem to be issuing any tickets. So um, yeah, it was just for me. Just even seeing that um, brought a sense of um, just hope. And so I hope that the new social distancing rules have uh, brought relief to you and that you're able to uh, kind of go back into some sort of a normal routine in life or go back to a more normal routine of life. Uh, To give you an update on church service, um, we've talked to um, the – Uh, the business that we run our church from and we've just let them know that we're interested in uh, running our live services from 500 Collins Street and they'll get back to us shortly and when that happens uh, we will give you an update as to uh, what what changes uh, could potentially happen in the next couple weeks and so we'll keep you posted and uh, we appreciate that uh, you've um, we we appreciate your patience, and we appreciate you um, being a part of our church and engaging with us as we go through this very unique time in um, in 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 life in history, I guess. So for the next few, uh, for the next few sermons, I'm going to be covering um, a series uh, entitled "The Fruit of the Spirit," and we'll be covering part one today. And I want to spend some time on the nine different fruit of the spirit for a couple reasons. Uh, one is that uh, virtues can inform. Um, what or who we strive to become, and having a compass for our character can help lead, guide, and direct our lives so for the past one hundred and twenty years. Uh, The virtue of intelligence has been researched Uh, Academics have created standardized IQ tests And they've created educational programs to enhance intelligence in young people And uh, because intelligence is often seen as an indicator for success That's why all this attention is given uh, to these standardized tests Now, over the past seven years uh, research is, sho- is showing that people who develop grit actually have a better chance of achieve- achieving success than those who have high IQ. And as a result, this, uh, as a result of this research, corporations, uh, different branches of the mili- military, and even, uh, sports professionals are now focusing on how to instill grit, uh, in the individuals of their organizations. Now my point in sharing this transition in values is that depending on what culture you're from or depending on what time period you lived in uh, people tend to gravitate towards different virtues. And when I think of uh when I think about the ever-changing virtues of today, I think of a few things. I think of wealth, hard work, uh passion, tolerance, political correctness, and and all of these are really important valuable traits. And I'm not listing them to condemn them, uh, but my question is, while these expectations are being placed upon us, um, how do we know what God wants us to excel in? Um, And we'll be answering this question as we look at each character trait listed um, in Galatians chapter 5. Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23, and he writes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. So we'll be looking at these nine character traits and explore their relevance in today's culture. And thinking about these virtues, I think, can give us direction as we navigate uh, the uh, expectations of our society, of our employers, and of our families. Now, if we continue towards the end of Galatians chapter 5, Paul continues. uh, And in verse 25, he says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And Paul writes that the fruit of the Spirit allows us to know where God is leading. uh, Which brings me to the second reason uh, we're looking at this topic. I've often asked the question, God, what do you want me to do? And um, in this passage, God's response is, who you become will help you discover what I want you to do. And there's this link between us developing the character of God um, and in developing the character of God, our call in God becomes clarified. So the fruit that the Holy Spirit desires to produce in us as individuals and as a corporate body is not just a hodgepodge of admirable traits. Um, God desires to produce this fruit, through the spirit uh, because these traits reflect the character and the mission of God and so um, when we develop this fruit it reveals the nature of who he of who God is it also reveal what God's desire is for in our in our community um, uh, it reveals what God wants in our community in our families and in our places of work now in John chapter 15 verse 8 um, Jesus says this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit." Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, the New Testament writer Peter has another helpful perspective um, in developing virtue, and he says in Second Peter chapter one verses five to seven. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness. And to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love i realize it's a lot of text there but what i want to bring to your attention are the uh, or is the math concept that peter uses in his writing um notice he says add to your faith goodness and then right after that he says add to your goodness knowledge and the list continues on and he says to add to all these valuable traits one after another and the pinnacle of that building becomes Uh, a virtue which he calls love. And the observation that I want to draw from this list is that um, the pinnacle of virtue in this list reveals the purpose of building that virtue. Um, And God's desire is for us to become, uh, excuse me, God desires us to become virtuous to create love in an inclusive community. So the purpose of personally excelling is not to show off, but to become really good at being other-centered. So let's look at each fruit uh, in more detail. Um, so today we're going to be talking about uh, the fruit, uh, or excuse me, we're going to be talking about love, the first fruit that is listed um, as the fruit of the Spirit. And so uh, there are three characteristics of God's love that I want to highlight here that we are called to emulate. Uh, the first aspect of God's uh, the first characteristic of love is that God's love is unmerited. In other words, regardless of what we have done, God still loves. His love does not discriminate, His love is not given, re- uh, His love is given regardless of race, status, social etiquette, and the list goes on and on. And God gives love even when humanity doesn't deserve or reciprocate that love. So in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, there's this really well-known passage uh, where Paul writes, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so there's this idea of even when we are not interested, even when we are separated, even when we have our backs turned to God, God's love initiates. And so God's love um, is unmerited. The second characteristic of God's love that I want to highlight is that God's love is steadfast. In other words, God's love has no end. It never stops. There's a famous saying, all good things come to an end, uh, but that doesn't apply to the love of God. I catch myself wondering, at what point um, does God reach his limit uh, how many times is God going to give me a second chance, and the answer is um, there is no limit to the number of second chances that God gives to us in Romans chapter eight verses thirty seven to thirty nine Paul continues writing, saying, "No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future." nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you spend a thoughtful moment looking at each of those extremes, um, that summary rings very true that literally nothing can separate us from the love of God. So just in review, the three characteristics of God's love, God's love is unmerited, God's love is steadfast, and thirdly, God's love is a suffering love. God doesn't love from a distance. His love draws himself into the messiness of our lives. Uh, His love isn't simply given when convenient. Um, It requires personal sacrifice. Um, It would have been one thing for God to kind of wave his hand from heaven and just absolve all of our wrongdoings. Like, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Let's just move on. But that's not how it works. When you look at the story of redemption or the story of salvation, you see Jesus leaving the comforts of heaven. Um, He lives alongside of humanity and allows his life to be taken and consumed by the selfishness of the world. God's love cannot be separated from suffering and sacrifice. And Isaiah 53 portrays Christ as a suffering Savior. So in Isaiah chapter fifty-three, verses four and five, uh there's this metaphor that's given, but it, it it portrays Jesus in this way. It says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And so God is love and he loves us and in turn he then asks us to respond and love the community and those around us so in first john chapter 4 verses 19 to 21 john writes we love because he first loved us whoever claims to love god yet hates a brother or sister is a liar For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now, this isn't just a minor theme in Scripture. It uh, permeates the Old Testament and the New Testament. Here are a couple examples. Notice in the Old Testament, God told the Israelites to love their neighbors as themselves and then in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, he calls the followers of Jesus to love. And that's just repeated over and over and over again, and those are just two examples. So the love of God teaches us how to accurately value ourselves and others. We live in a world where everything and everyone is given a value, we make purchases based on value. Uh we want a good deal. Uh when we seek employment, our employers or potential employers try to determine our value. What are you worth? What skills do you bring to the table? How much are you going to cost? And depending on our position and salary, we can then compare uh we can then uh determine our value and then we can compare our value with those around us. Um and that's you know society uh, defines and determines worth in that way. And so we live in a time when value can become incredibly arbitrary. Here are a couple interesting statistics. Uh, I don't know if you know that on average, someone who is six feet tall earns $166,000 more over a span of 30 years than someone who is five foot five. And so our whole family is disadvantaged, basically. And for those of you who are six foot tall and higher, like, You've got, well, no, that's not true, but we're happy for you. (laughs) Did you know on average in Australia, women get paid 14% less than men? In the healthcare and social services, the statistic is that on average, men get paid 22% more than women. And I know in these discussions, questions always arise. Uh, what if women are not as qualified as men? And what if there are more female nurses than male doctors? Um, if you're curious, um, the Australian government has a workplace gender equality agency. Uh, the website is here for those of you who are interested. And I'm not really here to debate. Um, I, I'm not trying to make this a political thing, but more just... Um, yeah i assume that if everything was fair the government there wouldn't be a need for the government to form an equality agency but my point here is that value is often subjective and random and the love of god accurately informs the value that we place on ourselves and the value that we place on each other if you are wealthy or poor Australian or from another country, if you are educated or non-educated, if you are full of faith and obedient, or if you're struggling in your faith and um, going through spiritual struggles, the point is that God loves you and you have incredible worth. The fruit of the, the fruit of love eliminates the randomness of value and allows those who are recipients of love to know they have worth. As a church, we have a unique opportunity uh, as a community. We can speak value into one another um, and value is often determined when other people agree that something or someone has worth. And as a church community, when we share with one another how we feel about each other, uh, when we express gratitude or appreciation for something that someone has said or done, it develops an awareness of value in the heart of the hearer. I encourage you to send a text or call someone and tell them how much they mean to you. If words of affirmation is not your cup of tea, try to act kind or send a gift, uh, give someone some quality time. At the end of last term, uh, Micah received a medal for the most improved chess player in the school. Both Jinha and I told everybody, um, that we could think of, uh, uh, Jinha and I told everyone that we could think of of Micah's accomplishments. And it's kind of funny because he just walked into the room. <laughs> so he's hearing me share this story. And I could tell that Micah felt affirmed and competent in his chess playing. And there was about a one-week period where uh, Micah was just playing incredible chess. Like, he was a six-year-old who had learned how to play chess less than a year ago, and he was, like, correcting my moves. He was like, Dad, that's not a good move. You shouldn't put it there. <laughs> it was as if there was this potential in Micah's brain that kind of unlocked... Um, and when he realized I'm good at this, he just his his chess competency skyrocketed. Now, as a 36 year old who enjoys chess, this is so funny because we're trying to shoot him out of the room, and he he keeps crawling back on the floor <laughs> like he's trying to be out of our line of sight. <laughs> Micah, you want to say hello? Hello, everybody. <laughs> So as a 36-year-old who enjoys chess, I stopped holding back. I, I made a decision. I'm not going to lose to my 6-year-old son. And for the next few games, um, I beat him pretty bad. And uh, my insecurity ended up deflating Micah's confidence. And for a bit, he played just way worse than he was playing. And I just saw how taking value away from somebody stifled potential. But I also saw how adding value and confidence and love had the power to unlock this incredible potential. And my hope and prayer for you and for us as a church is that we can realize our value and may the people around us realize their value through us. May God bless you as you seek God, seek his spirit, and sense his love for you. God bless you.